0: Can I shoot
1: them? Wilson Tang is a native New Yorker and a Chinatown kid on weekend mornings, his family would head to Chinatown in lower Manhattan for dim sum it's a Cantonese meal consisting of small dishes traditionally served from trolleys that servers push around the restaurant there's dumplings, rolls and buns, some steamed, some fried, all accompanied by a bottomless pot of tea.
2: I hated that growing up I hated fighting the crowd. When I was a teenager, we, we lived in Queens and you know it was this ordeal, you know, like driving out to the city, looking for parking and then waiting online and getting a number.
1: Teenage Wilson had no idea then that dim sum would play a much greater role in his life than just a weekend family ritual. Welcome to The Distance, a podcast about long-running businesses. I'm Weyland Wong. On today's show, how Wilson Tang, who used to dread these weekend outings, ended up running New York's oldest dim sum parlor and bridging the gap between his family legacy and new generations of diners.
0: The Distance is a production of Basecamp. I'm Zach, a programmer at Basecamp. Basecamp is the better way to run your business. It's an app for communicating with people and organizing projects and work. If you're feeling overwhelmed by email, chat, and meetings, give Basecamp a try. Sign up for a 30-day free trial at Basecamp.com the distance.
2: I am the owner and operator of Namwa Tea Parlor. We are actually in four places. New York Chinatown, uh, Philadelphia Chinatown, we're in Nolita of Manhattan, which is just slightly north of Chinatown, and we have a sister restaurant called Feng Tu in the Lower East Side.
1: A couple named Ed and May Choi opened the New York Chinatown location as a bakery in 1920. It's on a small, curved street that earned the nickname the Bloody Angle, because neighborhood gangs used to fight each other with hatchets there in the early 1900s. Many years later, Wilson's uncle, Wally Tang, got a job there under the Choy's. He was 16 years old.
2: He started working there in the 50s as a dishwasher coming from China to America through the Cultural Revolution. He was working there for the Choi family until the 70s where he purchased the restaurant and the building from them and continued it into uh, the late 2000s. When you're a newly immigrant... The thought process is you have to do this. Versus for myself, being second generation, where my parents were immigrants, it's something where like I, I want to do this.
1: Wilson had tried his hand at restaurants before, when he left a corporate job to open a small bakery in Chinatown. The daily grind of running a cafe wasn't right for that stage in his life. His friends were staying out late and partying, while he was getting to the bakery at 5.30 in the morning to open up. But the experience of owning the bakery gave Wilson a taste of being a restaurateur, and it stayed with him.
2: I was in my early 20s. A lot of my peers and friends were out having fun, doing what 20-year-olds do. And I ended up selling it because uh, it was a business that just kind of got by. I think at that point I was a little too young, like my, my life wasn't really balanced out yet. But in my second opportunity with Namwa, like, I saw myself being a little more level-headed, a little older, a little wiser. Basically had the dating stuff out of my system and, like, the having fun out of my system and, like, I was closer to 30. My Uncle Wally was like, hey, I'm getting too old for this. I know you were previously interested in restaurants and food service. Um, Why don't you take another stab at it?
1: That was in 2010. The year after that, in 2011, Wilson quit the corporate world for the second time and succeeded his uncle at Namwa.
2: My parents would question me, like, why would you want to do this? Because you took a stab at it and it wasn't really fruitful for you. And, and you know, you, you ended up losing three years of your life working in, at this thing that didn't work out where you're educated, you know, you can just get... A job in corporate America, you know, at some big firm, and you have a lot less stressful life. I was at a point in my life where this was basically what I saw was my last chance. No one else really wanted it, and if I didn't take it, it would have just went down in history as closed, and maybe some other proprietor would come in and take the space for whatever business they want to do, and it's gone forever. I feel like I did good thing for New York. It's a century-old restaurant, and, and I did my part as a, as a native New Yorker to really hold on to old New York.
1: If you didn't know Namwa's history, you might think it was one of these new businesses made to look like an old-fashioned one, You might think Wilson hired someone to put in the tin ceiling and hand-distress the vinyl booths, that he went to thrift stores to buy the mismatched plates and metal tea canisters. But the vintage patina is real, and Wilson wanted to keep that
2: character. I'm very proud of the fact that I'm able to kind of just stop time for a little bit, and people can come in and like, oh, wow, this is what the place looks like when it was in the 50s. And kudos to my Uncle Wally for being the kind of gentleman that his whole motto was if it's not broken, don't fix it. And the place is that way because of his thought process. You know, you know, I see a lot of new companies or new restaurants or new businesses, like they they try to replicate this old New York style, and it's it's very hard to replicate. I literally have something that's genuine and unique and real.
1: Wilson preserved the Namwa aesthetic, but made other changes. He saw an opportunity to update how dim sum was presented and served. So he got rid of the trolleys and extended the restaurant's hours. His father was skeptical about serving dim sum for dinner, but Wilson was committed to trying the idea.
2: Most dim sum parlors or dim sum halls serve it from like 6 a.m. to like two or three in the afternoon. And that's the lifespan of a dim sum restaurant. Those are the hours, that's what culture tells you to do. If I had it my way, I would just do this for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I wanted the cuisine to be very approachable. As a Chinese-American or American-Chinese person, I saw Nam as this kind of Chinese diner. You have booth seating, you have tables. And I, I'm like, why can't we just make a menu with all the dim sum items? Like put a picture, description, price. As a Chinese person, like, oh, hey, you just you drink tea. But as an American person, I want, I want to know what I'm drinking, like what different types you have. And what the meaning behind it is. Like, what's this good for? What's that about? What's the caffeine level on this?
1: It used to be that in the mid afternoon, when Chinatown dim sum restaurants closed, their chefs would head to Namwa to smoke and play mahjong or cards. Today, the dining room is busy through dinner with a mix of tourists, Chinatown regulars, and nearby office workers. The dim sum chefs don't hang out there anymore. But that brotherhood isn't what it used to be. There aren't new chefs coming in to replace the old guard.
2: This dim sum profession is very hard to get into, either language barrier or it's just too labor-intensive to actually learn and do. They want the, the chefs or cooks these days they want like this instant gratification like oh I want to learn something and like just do it and like excel where making this skins for dumpling it's not an easy task you know you have the right formulas you have to have the right technique and it takes years to learn so we're in, in those crossroads right now and how do we push forward and be creative and push the envelope of what the word dim sum means.
1: At Namhua Chinatown, the menu is the same. It was important for Wilson to keep signature items like the pork bun and shrimp and snow pea leaf dumplings. The new locations that he opened, like Namhua Nolita, became his playgrounds for trying new things with Chinese cuisine. It's also a way of addressing the talent gap. He can recruit younger chefs who might not be interested in traditional dim sum, but are inspired by those flavors or techniques.
0: We offer a whole fun beef noodle soup, and it's our shank uh, sliced beef. But obviously a shank can't be all slices, so we had the leftovers.
1: That's Zhiyu Lai, the co-owner and general manager of Namwa Nolita, which is the newest restaurant in Wilson's portfolio. It opened in 2016 after a brief run as a pop-up location. Zhiyu is explaining the origins of a popular soy braised beef dish they serve over rice or noodles. It's called fiery dank shank.
0: So we would put the leftovers aside, we added some chili oil in there, like Chef Calvin, he just started putting different things in there, and that was our staff meal, and I was like, this is a pretty good staff meal, you know, we should offer it out there, and when we did, it took off. Everybody loved it.
1: Wilson and Jiu have been friends for years, and they both come from entrepreneurial immigrant families. Jiu's father drove a New York taxi cab for 18 years before opening his own business in the restaurant industry, which made him a little concerned about his son entering the same high-stress world. At the same time, he wanted his son to enjoy his work. It's the same kind of second-generation luxury that Wilson talked about earlier. The first generation works to survive and succeed so that the next generation can have a choice of vocation. ji didn't have to go into restaurants, but he wanted to.
0: My siblings and I, we were raised to go into the corporate world, right? Um, We went to high school, college, and then I worked at a desk job for 16 years. It's funny because throughout those 16 years, my dad was like, do you envision yourself sitting here for the rest of your life? My dad, he owned a uh, food distribution business and his company was called uh, Pin. He made those soy sauce, hot sauce, duck sauce packets that go out to all the takeout restaurants, right? And just seeing him hustle like that, I'm like, I'm, I'm younger than when he started, you know, so I know I can do it
1: one Nolita is a small self-service place where customers order and pay for their food at touchscreen kiosks. The Nolita location serves a selection of traditional dim sum, which Yu brings over from the Chinatown restaurant in a little smart car. There's also other dishes that change seasonally, and the data that the staff collects from its modern point-of-sale system helps shape the menu.
0: When it's winter and it's cold like we have a lot of soups right uh, a lot of like uh, spicier things you know as it's getting warmer like i see from pos system that the orders are going down you know so that just proves to me that okay when spring comes we have to come up with something more of a cold dish you know something more cleansing in a sense you know a lot of people like to stay with everything the same and they think it'll last throughout and i feel like that's why a lot of restaurants fail there's no innovation
1: In big cities like New York, there are a lot of reasons why restaurants fail. They're chasing the same food trends farm to table small plates, handcrafted, artisanal, whatever. There's a labor shortage of cooks, not just in dim sum like Wilson mentioned, but across the industry. And restaurants that don't own their buildings get priced out as rents go up. Namwa's Chinatown location has some measure of protection. The neighborhood hasn't gentrified as rapidly as the area around it, and Wilson's Uncle Wally owns the building. But Wilson doesn't just have the original location. There's Nolita, Philadelphia, and a sister restaurant called Feng Tu. His expansion of the Namwa family of restaurants means that his real test as a business owner isn't whether he can keep the Chinatown restaurant going, but whether his new ventures have staying power. He's planning another location on Canal Street in Lower Manhattan.
2: You know, on the exterior, like in, in social media, everything looks great, right? Like I'm always posting like positive things and like long lines and like cool shit, right? But the reality is that like I am responsible for feeding the mouths of over 100 people. People that look at me, they lose track of that burden. You know, like if any of these places don't do well or they fail, it's a big deal. No employs over 10 people. Namuwa One Chinatown, we have over 30 people. You know, at Fung Tu, it's over 20 people. In Philadelphia, it's over 15 people. It all looks glamorous because we're in a, in a media world, but, you know, it's, it's very daunting. You know, I have to make sure that it's successful, that we keep this money kind of flowing. It looks good, but um, it's actually a lot harder than it really looks.
1: There's one thing Wilson doesn't worry about. And that's whether Nam Wah is authentic. He likes to challenge what that word means, especially in the authenticity-obsessed world of restaurants and foodies. Can you serve dim sum for dinner and be authentic? Can you be a Chinatown restaurant with a dining room full of non-Chinese customers and be authentic? Can you serve a dish called fiery dank shank and be authentic? Wilson just wants you to come into one of his restaurants and have a good meal.
2: I use that word very loosely now. Like, you know, I kind of don't care what you think. You know, as long as it's authentic to me, it's tasty and it's affordable, then that's really what I, I go for. Like, I, I kind of walk through the noise and um, as long as it's well accepted by the masses, it's it's okay by me.
1: Even Wilson's parents have come around in their own way He's bridged the gap there too.
2: You know, there was a moment where I first started where it was kind of dark. It's like they didn't understand why I was doing this. I think restaurants really got hot. I think cooking shows and social medias really boost this career or um, work into another stratosphere where restaurateurs and cooks or chefs are celebrities really help the cause. And today I think just because they're Chinese and like it's you know, mums the word and not saying much means that they're happy. I I think the fact that I'm not needing their help and I can actually help them proves that I'm doing okay and, and there's no there's no question about that.
1: The Distance is produced by Sean Hildner and me, Waylon Wong. Our illustrations are by Nate Otto. There are all different ways you can keep in touch with us. You can email us at tips@thedistance.com. At you can tweet at us at Distance Mag—that's at Distance M-A-G—and you can leave us a rating or review on iTunes. The Distance is a production of Basecamp, the app for helping small business owners stay in control of projects and reduce email clutter. Try Basecamp free for 30 days at basecamp.com slash the distance.